0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reflecting on this four volume, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you'd like to follow along in your own book, you can acquire your own copy from Tan Books. And when you go over to their website, use the code podcast15 at checkout, and you'll save 15% off. Also, if you'd like to interact with others who are reading and following along, There's a Facebook group, The Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you can interact with other listeners, and even with me. Today is Day 64, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 10, Paragraphs 553 to 562. Chapter 10 of The Virtue of Justice, as Practiced by Most Holy Mary, 553. The great virtue of justice is most necessary for the exercise of the love of God and man, and therefore also for all human conversation and intercourse. It is a habit by which the will is urged to give to each one that belongs to him, and its object matter is the just and equitable dealing which must be observed toward God. And as there are many occasions in which man can exercise or violate this equity, and in so many different ways, the range of application of this virtue is very wide and diffused, and there are many different species or kinds of justice in as far as it concerns the public and common good, it is called legal justice. In so far as it influences all the other virtues, it is called a general virtue, although it does not partake of the nature of the rest. In so far, however, as justice is employed for one determined object, and by individuals to preserve the rights of each, it is called particular or special justice. The virtue in all its parts or kinds, The empress of heaven exercised toward the creature in an eminent degree, for she alone knew by her greater enlightenment all its obligations and comprehended them perfectly. Although this virtue does not directly have anything to do with the natural passions, as is the case with fortitude and temperance, yet in many instances, precisely on account of the failure to moderate and regulate the passions, justice toward the neighbor is set aside. This happens with those who out of disorderly covetousness or lust usurp what does not belong to them. But as in the Most Holy Mary, there were no disorderly passions nor any ignorance of proper measure to be maintained according to justice. She fulfilled all justice toward each person and showed the way of justice to all who were privileged to hear from her mouth the words and doctrine of eternal life. As far as legal justice is concerned, She not only observed it to the letter by obeying the common laws, as she did in the purification and other prescriptions of the old law, although on account of being the queen and free from sin, she was exempt from them, but no one, except her most holy son, ever advanced so much as she, the public and common good of morals. For toward this end she directed all her virtues and operations, earning thereby the divine mercy for mankind, and benefiting her neighbor in many other ways." 555. Also, the distributive and communitive justice belong to Most Holy Mary in a heroic degree. Distributive justice regulates the distribution of the common goods to individual persons. This justice Her Highness observed in many affairs, which were left to her authority and management in the primitive church. As, for instance, in the distribution of the common property of the sustenance and other necessities of each person. Although she never distributed money, for that she never handled, yet she gave her orders and at other times her counsel for its just application. On these and similar occasions, she always acted up to strict equity and justice, according to the necessities and the circumstances of each one's condition. The same she also observed in the distribution of offices and ministerial dignities among the apostles and the first children of the church in their meetings and assemblies." All these things this most wise teacher ordered and arranged with perfect equity, for besides her ordinary knowledge and insight into the dispositions of each of her subjects, she made use of prayer and of the divine enlightenment. On this account the apostles and others whom she governed and had recourse to her for direction and counsel, and whatever was done under her direction was disposed of in perfect equity and without acceptation of persons. 5.56 Commutative justice procures reciprocal equality in that which is given and received by individuals, as, for instance, observing the rule to offer gift for gift or value for value. This kind of justice, the Queen of Heaven had fewer opportunities of exercising than other virtues, for she never bought or sold anything in herself. It was necessary to buy or commute any article. It was done by the patriarch St. Joseph while he lived, and afterwards by St. John the Evangelist or some of the Apostles. The Master of Sanctity, who came to destroy and eradicate avarice, 1 Timothy 6.10, the root of all evil, wished to remove from himself and from his Most Holy Mother all these negotiations and transactions, in which the fire of human covetousness is enkindled and preserved. Therefore his providence ordained that neither his own hand nor that of his purest mother should be soiled by the transactions of human commerce, and buying and selling, even if only of things necessary for the preservation of human life. However, the queen did not omit to teach the men the virtue of communitive justice, directing in the way of perfect justice all those who the apostolate and primitive church were engaged in such affairs. 5.57 This virtue of justice comprises all other kinds of activity in regard to the neighbor, such as judging others in the public, in civil courts, or in private. Our Savior refers to the contrary vice when he says in St. Matthew, Judge not that you may not be judged, Matthew 7, 1. These judgments are formed by each one according to the estimate which is in his own mind. Therefore, they are just judgments if they are conformable to reason and unjust if they disagree with it. Our sovereign queen never exercised the office of a public or civil judge, although she had the power to be the judge of all the universe but by her most equitous counsels during the time of her life and afterwards through her intercession she fulfilled what was written about her in the proverbs i walk in the paths of justice and through me the mighty decree justice proverbs 8:20 16 558 as regards particular judgments no injustice ever could find a place in the most pure heart of most holy mary for she could never be imprudent in her suspicions or rash in her judgments nor was she troubled by doubts, nor, if she had, would she ever decide them unkindly for the worst part. These vices of injustice are proper and natural, as it were to the children of Adam, who are dominated and enslaved by the disorderly passions of hate, envy, ill-natured emulation, and other evil inclinations. From these bad roots sprout unjust suspicions, with slight foundations, rash judgments, and prejudiced solution of doubts. For each one easily presumes in his brother his own faults, because they are filled with hate and envy at the prosperity of their neighbor and rejoice at his misfortune. They lightly give belief, where there are no grounds, only yielding to their bad desires and allowing their judgments to drift in accordance with their wishes. From all these consequences of sin, our queen was free, as she had no part in sin. All was charity, purity, sanctity, and perfect love, Whatever entered or came from the sanctuary of her heart, in her was all the grace of truth and the way of life. In the plenitude of her sanctity and signs she doubted nothing, she suspected nothing, for she was aware of all the secrets hidden in the hearts of men and searched their souls with the light of truth and mercy, not suspecting evil and never attributing blame where none was due. On the contrary, she was solicitous to excuse the sins of men, injustice, and equity yielding to each and every one his dues. His most earnest desire was to fill all men with the sweetness and the graciousness of her virtues. 559. In the two different kinds of commutative and distributive justice, there are contained many other kinds or species of virtues but I will only refer to them insofar as to say that all of them both as habits and as acts were possessed by the Most Holy Mary in the highest and most excellent degree. Some of these virtues are related to justice because they are exercised in our intercourse with our neighbor and partake to a certain extent, though not in all their bearings, of the nature of justice, either because we are unable to pay fully what we owe, or because if we are able the debt or obligation is not so strict as that which is incurred or commutative or distributive justice. I will not enter upon a full explanation of these virtues, since they are various and numerous. But in order not to pass them over entirely, I will give a short summary, so as to show how our Sovereign and Most High Princess was adorned with all of them. 560. It is a just obligation to give worship and reverence to those who are placed above us, according to the greatness of their excellence and their dignity, and according to the benefits which we receive at their hands. There is also our obligation and the reverence which we owe them, although no return on our part can equal the benefit or the dignity. The first virtue of this kind is that of religion, by which we give to God due worship and reverence, though his magnificence and his gifts exceed inf- infinitely all that will ever be able to return in thanks or praise. Among the moral virtues, this one is the most noble on account of its object, namely the worship of God and its subject matter is as extensive as there are ways and means of directly praising and reverencing God. In this virtue of religion are comprehended all the interior acts of prayer, contemplation, and devotion, with all their parts, conditions, causes, effects, and purposes. Among exterior actions, latria, which is the supreme outward adoration due only to God, falls under this head in which it also all its different kinds of parts, namely sacrifices, oblations, tithes, and vows, oaths, exterior, and vocal offerings of praise. For in all these actions, if they are performed in the proper manner, God is honored and reverenced by his creatures, just as he is very much offended in the contrary vices. 5.61 The second virtue falling under the above class is piety, by which we are inclined to honor our parents, to whom after God we owe our being and our education. By it, we also show proper regard for those who participate in a manner of the quality of parents, such as, for instance, our relatives or our country, which sustains and governs us. This virtue is so important that we must prefer its dictates to the acts of supererogation and the virtue of religion. So Christ the Lord teaches us in St. Matthew when he reprehended the Pharisees for setting aside piety toward their parents under the pretext of the worship of God. In the third place must be mentioned veneration, which inclines us to give honor and reverence to those who possess some superior excellence or dignity of a different kind from that of our parents or fatherland. This virtue the doctors divide into two kinds, dulia and obedience, Dulia is the veneration due to those who participate, to a certain measure, in the majesty and dominion of the highest Lord God, to whom is due, as we said, above the worship of adoration or latria. Therefore we honor the saints by the reverence called dulia, and likewise those in the higher dignities to whom we subject ourselves as servants. Obedience is the subjection of our will, inducing us to do the will of our superior, in preference to our own. Our free will is so estimable that this virtue is admirable and excellent above all moral virtues, for the sacrifice is greater than in any other. 562. These three virtues of religion, piety and veneration, were possessed by Mary in such great plenitude and perfection that nothing possible pertaining to them was wanting. What intellect can ever comprehend the honor, veneration, and worship with which this lady served her most beloved son, adoring him as true God and man, as creator, redeemer, glorifier, the highest, the infinite, the immense, in essence, in goodness, and in all attributes? She knew more of him than any other creature, and more than all of them together, and according to her knowledge she rendered due honor, teaching even the seraphim how to reverence him. In this virtue she was so great a teacher— the merely to see her was sufficient to rouse, urge, and incite all by a secret force to worship the Supreme Lord and Author of heaven and earth. And Without any other effort on her part, she induced many to praise God. Her prayers, contemplations, and devotions, together with the wonderful effects and the power of her intercession, are known to all the angels and saints, but cannot be comprehended by them, exciting their endless admiration. To her all the intellectual creatures are indebted, since she satisfied and made recompense not only for that which they have culpably neglected in this regard, but also for that which they could never attain or execute or merit. This lady outraced the salvation of the world, and if she had not been in it, the eternal word would not have issued from the bosom of the Father. She excelled the seraphim from her first instant in contemplation, in prayer, in petition, and in devout promptitude for the service of God. She offered the proper sacrifice, gave oblations and tithes, and all this in such a perfect manner, that nothing on the part of men was more acceptable, next to that of her Most Holy Son. In the ceaseless praise, hymns, canticles, and vocal prayers which she offered, she was above all the patriarchs and prophets, and if in the church militant, her doings were known as in the church triumphant, They would be the admiration of the world. This concludes our reading today from Book 2, Chapter 10, Paragraphs 553 to 562. Today we begin our reflection on the cardinal virtue of justice. Again, we already have talked about the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. And then we have the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and courage. So we're going through seeing how Mary, who is the model of all virtues and possessed the virtues— can inspire us. When we talk about justice, justice is that which is due to someone else. And so in this first part of our reading today, we've been talking about justice in the fact of what is due to God. And what is due to God is what we heard in the latter portion of our reading in the final paragraphs today, and that is that God is owed our adoration. He's owed our latria, that is our worship. And so I may have already mentioned this in a previous day, but It bears repeating just because it's something for us to grasp our minds around. So in our devotion and in our spiritual life, we have latria, which is adoration and worship of God. We have hyperdulia, which is the veneration given to the mother of God because she was exempt of your original sin. Then we have dulia, which is our devotion, our honoring of the saints. Maria Vagarda tells us, dulia is the veneration due to those who participate to a certain measure in the majesty and dominion of the highest Lord God. So the saints participate in the goodness of God. In order to become a saint, you need a miracle. The church makes this declaration that we have a strong belief, we have great moral certitude that this holy person is with God in heaven because they've obtained the grace of the miracles that people have asked for, because they lived a holy and good life. So the saints then participate in that worship of God in heaven, and so then we honor them because of that relationship that they have to God, because, of course, their relationship in heaven is different right now than our relationship with God as we're here on earth. Now, there are some other... Uh, types of devotion, and one of them is proto-Dulia. So that's really devotion to St. Joseph, saying that we know that the Blessed Mother is Hyperdulia. and St. Joseph, because of his relationship to the Savior, has a special role. And so he's just a little above all of the saints, and so we call that proto-Dulia. What is that which we owe God? We owe God everything from our life, We owe him because he has given us life. We owe him because he has saved us from our sins. And so what return to the Lord can we make? Except, as the psalmist says, to raise the cup of salvation. What return can we make to the Lord? To pray to him, to honor him, to worship him, to spread knowledge and love of him among so many people. Our reading concluded today. If in the church militant her doings were known as in the church triumphant, they would be the admiration of the world. So what's being said here is that if what the angels and saints know of God and of the Blessed Virgin and what God has done for Mary, if we the church militant on earth were aware of it, there would be great admiration for Mary. People wouldn't disparage her or dishonor her. They wouldn't ignore her, but they would have a great love for the Blessed Mother. For again, she is our intercessor, and she prays to us before the throne of God and obtains from God the graces that we need to live the Christian life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm very honored that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.